Literally just finished watching the North Carolina women's team knock off fourth-seeded Arizona to advance to the Sweet 16. And in the process, they did something that only two other schools in the nation are doing this season. What is it? We're going to talk about it on today's show. Plus, big Hubert Davis Day. We're talking Hubert Davis all throughout the show. Plus, it's Tuesday, so we got Tuesday trivia coming at you. All of that on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's North Carolina site, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And if you're watching on YouTube, what's up? Thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first watch every single day. Don't forget that the show is free and available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No funky props, it's just your skill versus the lineups that you choose. So sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. Well, I have to start today by thanking everyone out there that's tuning in. We are. This is the 17th show on YouTube. We're just just over uh, into our fourth week of the show being on YouTube. And yesterday, on Monday, we crossed over into 500 subscribers. So thank you. And in fact, it didn't stop there. It just rolled right on into 600 subscribers. So for those of you that are dialing in, tuning in, checking in, thank you so much. Yesterday was the, f- the biggest audio downloaded day in the history of the show. Thank you. And if you're new here, we're so glad you're here. Welcome in. You picked a great day to be here. We're celebrating everything the Tar Heels got going on. We got some trivia. We're going to talk all about Hubert Davis. It's a great day to be diving into the show, and I want to welcome you here. And while we're talking about fun stuff going on, I want to tease for you two things that are coming up this week. On tomorrow's show, we are interviewing a current men's basketball player's parent. And that is none other than Miss Carla Black. That's Leaky Black's mom is going to be on the show tomorrow. We're spending the entire time talking to her about everything going on with the Tar Heels, about the crazy Baylor win, what the season's been like, and what we're looking forward to this weekend in Philly. And then on Thursday's show, we got another interview. It's with a 2005 national champion, a former Dallas Cowboy. We're talking to Tar Heel Jesse Hawley. He's going to be on the show all day Thursday. He was in the building this past weekend for the games, and so he's going to be a great person to talk to about everything that the team is going through right now. So really excited for those interviews and just want to get you prepped and primed for that. All right, it's Tuesday, and on Tuesdays we do trivia, and here it is. 11 Tar Heels in the history of the program have scored 200 or more points in their NCAA tournament career. So however many NCAA tournament games they played as a Tar Heel, they've combined scored 200 or more points. There's 11 of them. 
I'm going to give you the answer at the very end of the show. So stay tuned for that. And I'll give you one hint. The number one person on this list is light years ahead of everybody else. And then everybody else is clumped all together. So again, the answer coming up at the end of today's show. I buried the lead too long. The North Carolina women just went into the McHale Center in Arizona by the way, if you're not aware of this, in the first two rounds of the women's tournament, they actually play at the home venue of the higher seed, the, the higher ranked team. So that's why they had to go to Arizona. But you know what? It didn't even matter. The women came out with a 63-45, 18-point victory. Coach Courtney Banghart's team is doing work. Just like Coach Davis's team, they're just progressing and peaking at the right time. And, and this progression year to year for the women has been incredible. This is Courtney Banghart's third season. That first season, they lost in their first ACC tournament game. Last year, they lost in their first NCAA tournament game. And then this year, they're going to the Sweet 16. And who knows how far beyond that. So Coach Banghart and her squad are taking the exact steps that they want to be taking. Well, Let's, let's not try to confuse this. The biggest story of this game was Carolina's defense, just suffocating Arizona. The Wildcats shot 28.8% for the entire game. In fact, if you take off the fourth quarter, which was just this kind of weird anomaly, at the start of the fourth quarter, Carolina had 26 points in the paint. Arizona had 27 points total. You hearing me? Yeah, that's exactly right. At that point, Arizona was shooting 23%. They were 10 of 43. And they only had 27 points. So they were averaging 9 points a quarter. <laughs> that's not exactly great for Arizona. Way to go, women, Tar Heels. You're killing it. Now, as the game progressed, it felt like Carolina was in control almost the entire time. Arizona did cut the lead back down to 7 in the third quarter. Um, but the, the Tar Heels held tough. They, they got the lead right back to 10 points. And then from there, over the final um, 2.30 of the third quarter, went on a 10-0 blitz to build a 20-point lead heading into the fourth quarter and scored the first four points of the fourth quarter. So all told, the Tar Heels went on this 14-0 run to put the game away, build a 24-point lead. But it was almost this mirror of what happened in the guys game on Saturday against Baylor, although not quite as bad. After building that 24-point lead, remember the guys had a 25-point lead with 10 minutes to go, Arizona started just really dialing in on their defense, which is one of their calling cards. And Carolina got a little bit flustered, but they're, they're running time. They've got this big lead, turned the ball over several times, and Arizona was able to get the lead down to 13 points. Um, Still felt very much like Carolina was in the control of the game, but at that point, when the lead was down to 13, there was only 3.44 to go, but the Tar Heels got back-to-back -back turnovers, got uh, four free throws, um, Littlefield had two of them, Deja Kelly had two of them, built the lead back to 17, and then they just held on, pushed the lead back out a little bit. My two stat lines that I love from this game belong to Kennedy Todd Williams and Alyssa Usby. Listen to this. Kennedy Todd Williams tied her career high, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals. Doing work. Way to go, Sister Kennedy. And then uh, Usby, 12 points, 12 rebounds. That's her 13th double-double of the season. 
You see all these parallels between the men's and women's teams? Yes, absolutely. That's Armando Baycott doing the double-double work on the men's side. Alyssa Usby here on the women's side. So 12 and 12, and she added to that four assists, four steals, and two blocks. Those two stat lines are crazy and filled up. So again, similar to the men's team, the women's team isn't going very deep. They've essentially got their own iron five that they're using uh, with just about two subs typically coming in. And so uh, the, these five starters are just having to take the lion's share of the work, but they're doing it. So for the women, this is their first sweet 16 since the 2015 season. And so congrats on getting back to that level. There's just something about getting to that second weekend that just seems to breed success for a team and allow you to take steps forward um, into the, the next seasons and beyond. Of course, this season, there's still big opportunity to do stuff. And so that's great. I teased off the top that uh, with Carolina's advancement to the Sweet 16, they've done something only two other schools in the country are doing, and it's this. Carolina men and Carolina women are both in the Sweet 16, and they're one of just three programs in all of Division I that have both their men and women in the Sweet 16. The other two are Iowa State, because we all knew they would make the men's Sweet 16, and Michigan. Same thing, right? And so it's funny, all three of those men's teams are, are highly uh, kind of unlikely to have made it to the Sweet 16, but uh, those three schools, both their men and their women, in the Sweet 16. Congrats to everybody there. So for the women Tar Heels, they will play number one seed in their region, South Carolina. That's Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Make sure you tune in for that. And then get ready because the guys are coming up just right after that. So boom, boom, back to back, men's or women's team, men's team. It's going to be a great time on Friday night. Can't wait to unpack it all. And I'm very excited to see what this women's team is going to do, right? Like they're not done. It's not over. The men's team just went and knocked off a one seed. Why can't the women do the exact same? And honestly, I'm excited to see what the women do now and beyond. Keep in mind, four of the five starters are sophomores. Everybody except Littlefield is a graduate student. She'll be moving on. But the other four starters, Usby, Todd Williams, Kelly Poole, they're all sophomores. Courtney Banghart's doing great stuff. Well, turning our attention back over to the men's side and to Coach Hubert Davis, following Carolina's losses to Purdue and to Tennessee back in November, Coach Davis made a big, bold declaration. Four months later, his team is finally embodying that. Embodying that promise. What was it? We're going to talk about it in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about Stat Hero. Stat Heroes NCAA single game pickems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. So take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage and start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads or long odds or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in the gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what it is you're going up against. In addition to that, they have all these lineups that you can pick from, and then you choose your own lineup of who you want to go up against that lineup, and you're ready to go. Just 
simple, sleek, easy, takes a couple minutes and you're off and running. And that's the way daily fantasy was meant to be. So that is the easiest, the fastest way to help you get your daily sports action fix. So if you sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on, and then use promo code locked on, you will get a 100% deposit match. Again, that's stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Terms and conditions apply. Well, as always, I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen and first watch every single day. Uh, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, would love for you to leave, leave a comment, respond back, talk about the women's team. would love to hear your thoughts on Hubert Davis as we talk about him more in just a second. But also, for those of you, like if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, there's a great opportunity to go rate and review the show. And we need lots of those to continue getting this out to uh, people who might not have had the opportunity to hear it yet. Um, and so would would really, really be honored if you would go rate and review the show. Maybe, maybe leave a story in there, something that I can read on the show. Would love to do that. All right, let me take you back. Monday, November 22nd. Carolina has just come back from Uncasville, Connecticut, where on Saturday they lost to Purdue. Great game. They played well, lost by nine. And then on Sunday, got frankly embarrassed by Tennessee. Now, those of you who are familiar with Carolina men's basketball practices know, this is dating back to Coach Smith, that every day there's a thought of the day that's at the top of the practice plan. And on this particular day, Monday, November 22nd, Coach Hubert Davis took a little bit of a twist, a little bit of a turn on what happened. At this point, Carolina's 3-2. and two. They've won a couple games. You know, remember there was kind of the Brown game that wasn't so great, and then they've lost these two games to Purdue and Tennessee. And here was the thought of the day from Coach Davis on that day. I will never coach another team or game absent of my personality. Boy, I remember reading that and thinking, whoa, Coach Davis, whoa, that is, that is bold, big claim there. Okay, I see you working though, homie, like, let, let's get behind this, like, let's rally the troops, war cry, I'm in, let's do it, let's go. And so I hear that and I think this is going to be some immediate thing that all the members of the team buy in on. And yes, let's get behind Coach Davis's personality. We're one, we're together, and, and it's right now and it's happening. But you know what? Didn't happen right away. And there were some other embarrassing losses that have happened throughout the season. There was the Kentucky loss we referenced yesterday. Losing back-to-back -back at, at Miami in Wake. Things changed after that. Yeah, there was the loss to Pittsburgh. Yeah, there was the loss to Virginia Tech in the ACC semifinals. But after that Wake game, the team got together and more or less decided that what they had heard that day from Coach Davis, it was time. <laughs> we can't keep messing around, playing around, trying to look out for our names or our stats or whatever it is. We have to trust in this man who is our head coach, who knows infinitely more about this game than we do, who's one of the most successful three-point shooters in NBA history. He's got a plan for us and has put this team together. We should probably buy into that. And they did. So what does that mean? While I thought when Coach Davis said that about the team reflecting his personality, it would happen right out of the gate. It didn't. 
And so now, here we are literally four months to the day later. Again, I said that was November 22nd. Today is March 22nd, December, January, February, March. And you know what this team's done? They've found that personality that they were looking, that he was wanting for them. They've found Coach Davis's personality. They've found each other. This team's a unit now. And they're fighting and they're tough. Just like we talked about yesterday, hashtag Tar Heel Tough. But they have their coach's personality built in. You see it in the way they are scrapping. Remember yesterday, I, I used the phrase that somebody else had said to me. This team knows how to fight, but they don't fight. <laughs> Meaning, they know how to get in and be tough and, and get in there without having to pick a fight like we've seen some other teams do, try to do anyway, to the Tar Heels. And, and honestly, if we had stopped and thought logically, I don't think I, I don't think I would have expected Coach Davis's declaration that I'll never coach another game or team without my personality. There's no way it was going to happen right away, right? Like you can't make an overnight shift like that because you have to figure out what that means for you. And that's what this team has been working on doing. And so by taking on his personality, I don't just mean, oh, this team can really shoot because that's what Coach Davis did well. Absolutely, they can shoot well. One of the best shooting teams in Carolina history, like not just anecdotally, like statistically, they are. I mean the toughness. I mean the willingness to fight and stand up. You remember at the Marquette game as things were getting chippy, Coach Davis is egging on the bench saying, yes, I love this fight. And so when he says, I want them to have my personality, I want them to have my tough demeanor. Remember, Coach Davis is an incredibly nice man, but he's not just this fluffy marshmallow that everybody might think he is. The dude is tough and he will stick his nose in. This is the willingness to be connected to one another as a defensive unit, as a team that is finding each other and making, assisting 80, over 80% of their made baskets like they did this weekend. And, and I also don't just, when I say Coach Davis's personality, I'm not just talking about the backcourt. Listen to this quote. You might have seen this from Jay Billis recently. It says this, Going the whole season and playing the way he wants them to play, he being Hubert Davis, they're seeing the benefit of that now. How could you not want to play that way if you're a skilled shooting guard? Point guard? Big guy. How could you not want to play that way if you're a skilled big guy? That's what Jay Billis said. So it doesn't matter if you're a guard like Coach Davis or a big man. You see what Armando Baycott's doing? How is any big man in the country not wanting to come and replicate that in Chapel Hill in seasons forward or, or recruits who are in high school now? And with all that buy-in now of taking on Coach Davis's personality, you know what it leads to? He's been there. He's done it before. And now he wants his team to experience exactly what it is he's been through. Saturday after the game, press conference. There's six people and the moderator on stage. Let's just forget him. He was a really nice man. Did a great job moderating uh, the press conferences. But you had Coach Hubert Davis. You had three of the starters, Leaky Black, Armando Baycott, RJ Davis, and Dontrez Styles and Justin McCoy. And you know what those six basketball players had in common? They all played for the Tar Heels. They've all been an eight seed in a tournament. 
in the NCAA tournament, and they've all upset a number one seed in the tournament, and they've all done that in an incredibly crazy game. So for Coach Davis, remember that was upsetting Oklahoma, that pass he had to Rick Fox for the shot. And those five players that are currently in Carolina uniforms had literally just done it minutes before. Coach Davis has been there, and now every one of the people on his team have done it. Why? Because they finally took on that personality. They finally helped give him what he wanted with that quote. And so, here's what's really neat. Whether it's for players or for coaches, runs in the NCAA tournament changes perceptions. And we're talking about that at the national media level. We're talking about that at the recruiting level. We're talking about it, like for mid-major coaches, they make an NCAA tournament run, they're getting a good job. For a, a player who was maybe lower on NBA draft boards, a great tournament run, you're shooting right up that thing. And so what I love is that people are finally beginning to see what a lot of us have seen all season long, right? is that Coach Davis is a phenomenal coach and this team is growing and they're finding that personality. And now, at the moment when you want to peak, they're peaking. It's not like the school a couple miles down the road who peaked earlier in the season and now they're just treading water, spinning their tires, trying to hold on for dear life and get Coach K that national championship before he leaves. It ain't happening. This Carolina team, they can do it. We're going to have to wait and see. So, what does this, this new Coach Davis personality that the team has taken on lead to in terms of on-court success? I'll answer that question in just a minute as we kind of start to wrap up the day. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's big tournament is finally upon us. So from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So when we think more about this, this personality, we, we've been talking about it kind of philosophically, this what does it mean to take on this Coach Davis personality. But, but how was it translated to the court recently? Well, for me, that has to start on the defensive end. Um, I, I, we so often think specifically about Leaky Black and all the lockdown job he's done this year. He, he talked last week about, you know, he's done a solid job with that all year, but it's really just been last month where it's clicked and game in and game out. He is locking down team's best player or players as needed. But the defensive improvement is not just Leaky Black, although that's a huge key, <laughs> a huge cog in that wheel. It's the whole team looking more connected. You're seeing, like, to the eye test, when you watch this team, you're seeing the guards stay in front of penetration better. You're seeing more help defense. You're, you're just seeing a team that understands each other more as they get their roles and are more connected. It's just grown over the course of a season. That's what things do. Let's look at some of the, the analytical data. When you look at Ken Palm, which is one of the most just widely accepted um, analytical college basketball websites, if you're not familiar with it, you should go check it out. It's pretty great. 
for a lot of the season, Carolina's defensive efficiency has been hovering in the like the 80s. And we're not talking about Purdue range where you're up like at 100, but it's not been great. I checked literally right before we started recording. And, and as of today, Carolina's defensive efficiency is 42nd now in the nation. Now, that's not top 10 or perfect, but you've cut that number in half from the 80s to 42. And so they're just slowly working their way up, and you love to see that. This defensive unit is more cohesive. Yes, there are going to be some fouls. Yes, Puff Johnson comes in and and is pretty foul-prone in what he does. But think about the job Armando Baycott did against Baylor. He had four fouls for all of overtime in about the last five minutes of regulation, and he stayed in the game. They're they're learning how to, to guard without fouling despite what the refs said on Saturday. It's happening. Is everything perfect? Absolutely not. Hear me not saying that, but things are infinitely better than they had been. And so much of it is that that it's the offense getting the attention because of the crazy assist numbers, because of how Caleb Love shot against Marquette, because of how R.J. Davis shot against Baylor, because of how Brady Manick is shooting against everybody under the sun. It's just the offense is is doing so much. They're unlocking themselves too. But you know what leads to that offense happening? Is defensive execution and cohesion. We could get deep into the analytical weeds about the defense, but just let me, let me suffice it just to give you some of the just standard defensive data. Of course, some of this is just teams making or not making shots, but just hear this. Against Marquette. Marquette shot 35.6% from the field and just 25.8% from three. Not great. Baylor, Saturday, 34.6% from the field, lower for the game, and 24.3% from three, lower for the game. So you thought Marquette didn't shoot well? Baylor shot worse from the field and from three than Marquette did. And so you take all both of those games and smash it together this like this is just something that we haven't been looking at combined Marquette and Baylor shot 54 for 154 from the field that's 35.1 percent and 17 of 68 from three that's just 25 percent now teams are going to hit shots that's going to happen but if you're holding two tournament teams both under 40% shooting for the game and under 30% from three for the game, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. And you know why? Because some days the shots don't fall, but defense travels. And if you're able to to hold teams beneath what they can do, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. And so that's what continues to give Carolina hope as you look forward to UCLA. And we're obviously going to preview that uh, more throughout the week. There's a lot that's happening there. And so as we looked back at the Baylor game and at the Marquette game, we talked so much about offense, but haven't really spent enough time on the D. And I think we ought to. It's time to recognize this Carolina defense is taking on the personality of their coach who wants them to buy in and fight. Another part of that, one of the things, you know, I, talk, I talked yesterday and probably a lot of you listening or watching felt this too, that as the, the Baylor game went to overtime, remember I said, I was like, if this game goes to overtime, Carolina can't win. They won't win. Not that they can't. I shouldn't say that. I said they won't. I didn't think they would. 
but something was Carolina's defensive intensity and how, yes, Baylor had made this incredible run to get over the course of the final 10 minutes to get this 25 point margin down to zero. But you know what that takes doing all that hard work, pressing, having to do all that for so long, you're gassed, you're wasted. And so I, I don't think many of us have taken enough time to to point out just how much of a factor Carolina's defense was in overtime and just how much of a factor Baylor's being gassed was in overtime. They shot one for 11 in those five minutes. Yeah, they made one field goal in their 11 attempts. It kind of like, think similarly, you'll be able to flip it and look at the Carolina perspective. Go back to 2008 in the final four. That's when Carolina got run by Kansas. You remember that game? Where, like, who's Cole Aldrich coming out of nowhere? And ultimately, Kansas went on to win the national championship over Memphis. That was the year that the Final Four was all four number one seeds. Crazy, right? Awesome. Kansas led by 28 points in the first half of that game. I don't know if you remember that that margin was that deep, but it was. But in the second half, Carolina cut the lead to four. And then a couple minutes later, they cut the lead to five with Danny Green pulling up for three. If that three goes, the Tar Heels are down by just two points in the in the kind of later parts of the second half with a real shot to win. But they had worked so long and so hard to get back in that game that they were done. They were gassed, and then Kansas was able to push the lead back out. And so that's that's a big part of what Carolina's defense had done to Baylor. And as Baylor had to make that run, they just expended all their energy, I think, and didn't have much of anything left in the tank for overtime. Now, speaking of Hubert Davis's personality one more time, I finally had a chance to go back and watch the broadcast of the Baylor game for the first time. You know, I'd only seen it live and in person at the arena. I hadn't watched the broadcast. N- we're talking Brady Manic again here. Not a single commentator talked about Flagrant 2. Not even Gene Steratore, the rules guy coming in, was talking about it. They were all talking about, yeah, that's obviously a foul, but it looks like it's going to be upgraded to a Flagrant 1. They're talking about the difference between, yes, it's a foul and Flagrant 1. Nobody mentions Flagrant 2. That's not even a consideration for any of them. Oh, it's definitely a, it's definitely a foul, but they're, they'll upgrade it to Flagrant 1. Yeah. Again, the refs just trying to get this game, but Carolina is fighting. Our man Brady Manick is gone, but you know what? We have our coach's personality, and we're going to fight, and we're going to win this thing, and I love that. And so, anyway, there's been a lot of national blowback against these referees, and uh, I'm very curious to see if they end up working any more games in the NCAA tournament this year. So keep your eyes peeled out for that. Okay, we got to get to our Tuesday trivia. Here is your answers. You ready? Remember, there are 11 Tar Heels who have 200 or more career points in the NCAA tournament. We're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. Tied in 10th with 204 points, Anton Jameson and J.R. Reed. Number 9, 208 points, George Lynch. Number 8, 20, uh, excuse me, 217 points is Ty Lawson. Six, 218 points is Donald Williams. You see how these guys are all just grouped together? Sixth place, 219 points, national champion Joel Berry. What a guy. A lot of these are national champions, obviously, because they played a lot of games to get these 200 points. Fifth place, 
222 points. You hear him on the Carolina radio calls even today. Eric Montross. Hopefully he is better and back in action in uh, Philly this weekend. Fourth place, 229 points. Wayne Ellington. Third place, 237 points. Sam Perkins. I would not have guessed the person that's in second place on this list. You ready for this? With 239 points, Justin Jackson has the second most career NCAA tournament points for a Tar Heel. And you probably guessed it, but the one leading out the way, the only person over 300 career NCAA tournament points for a Tar Heel, Tyler Hansbrough. 325 points. Remember, Justin Jackson had 239 in second place. So, wow. There's your list, 11 Tar Heels with 200 or more career NCAA tournament points. And with that, we come to an end of today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Again, please go subscribe wherever you watch or listen. Follow the show on Twitter, at Locked on Heels. Follow me, at Isaac Shade on Twitter. Remember, coming up tomorrow, we've got Miss Car Carla Black, Leaky Black's mom. She's going to be right here with us talking about Carolina basketball and her son. It's going to be great. Fantastic time. She's a wonderful woman. Can't wait to talk with her. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every day. And now let me encourage you to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen today. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Hey, thanks so much for spending part of your Tuesday hanging out with me, talking about the Tar Heels, talking about the women's victory, talking about Coach Davis. Hopefully you got some of the Tuesday trivia right. Let me know in the comments or shoot me a message back. Would love to hear how you did. Hey, you know what? It's a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace.